You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, everybody. This is Sarah, your host of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. This week, we have a special treat. We have another co-host with me, my pal, creative par excellence, Ken Fay. He's an Emmy Award winning film producer, writer, director, and his friend, who is how I met Doug the first time, Douglas Haddad. Um, now, some of you may remember Doug from when we interviewed back in, we aired it in June. Doug and I actually talked, I want to say sometime mid-May, and it was a great conversation. But at that point, Doug was getting ready to go and really promote and finish launching a video that he had, cre- a video that it's a film, it's not a video that had been created. So we're going to talk about that. But I wanted to also just remind folks who didn't listen to the first episode with Doug to give you a little bit of background on him because beyond being this amazing video guy, storyteller, Doug is an award-winning teacher and best-selling author and an international speaker, parenting and education advisor, and now an award-winning filmmaker. He's the author of The Ultimate Guide to Raising Teens and Tweens, Strategies for Unlocking Your Child's Full Potential. Gotta love that. And he's been awarded the honor of Teacher of the Year in his Connecticut school district and has served as a teacher ambassador in public education in the state of Connecticut. So you get this. He's all into teaching and opening minds and opening doors. So in his 23 years as an educator, he's taught more than 3,000 students, and he's worked with kids from all different backgrounds and abilities, and he's helped those kids transition from being kids to young adults. And when I asked him who his mentor and coach is, because my personal belief is all of us who are talking and teaching and leading need to have mentors and coach, he actually is working on completing his sixth year degree in educational leadership and administration. So that takes the whole learning piece a bit deeper. So anyway, he's also excited to announce he's going to debut his first children's picture book, It's available for pre-order, and we're going to talk to him about that in the podcast because I'm curious about his route and how he's getting there. So with that, let me um, just welcome you, Doug and Ken, to the podcast. It is an honor to be here. Thank you so much, Sarah, and it's an honor to be here as well, Ken. Thank you for inviting me. It's it's good to be back here with you, Sarah, and, and Doug, it's always good to see you, my friend. So, Doug, you know, one of the things you shared a quote with us. And that is that a good experience is the awakening. A profound experience is the enlightenment. So can you give an example that would demonstrate what you mean when you say that? Yes. um, Actually, I just got back from a trip from uh, Abu Dhabi over in the United Arab Emirates. And I had the opportunity to speak to uh, a number of people. Literally, I met thousands of people over there, mainly in the area too um, of Abu Dhabi, parents, educators, school officials. Um, and I had the opportunity to meet a number of speakers from all over the world. And the experience that we had in that short amount of time really resonated <clears throat> the message with us that 
we are here to serve children and we are here to serve families. Um, and this whole message of that um, really resonated with everybody in Abu Dhabi. Um, everybody felt the energy. They felt the like-minded growth mindset that we we're all united on this mission. Um, so to answer your question, this was a profound experience for me that really reassured me that we are in the midst of a parenting revolution. You know, COVID did some hiccups to everything, everyone, everywhere. And I know, too, there was a lot of, how should I put this, a lot of concern with anxiety and depression and um, a children's resilience to handling adversity and just an inactivity. There's The list goes on and on. But now coming out of it, I really see that we are now on the crux. It, literally, it's it's really going upwards where we're in the midst of a parenting revolution. And I said this um, to the people there. I said, you being here as parents, this is the most, this is the bravest, uh, most challenging, most rewarding, most exhausting, most exciting thing you'll ever do in your life. But you're changing the world and we're doing it together, you know, one parent, one child at a time for this generation and future generations to come. So I'm so excited that like the epicenter of this took place in the Middle East. There's so much rich history, rich value there. I was just so impressed with the culture in how they valued education, how they valued uh, families, how they just are looking to expand. And in a conservative society, they're looking to progress. So I was just super inspired, and I read upon it prior. Um, there's the Sheikh Zayed, um, if I could tell you a little bit about his story. He, he's the first president uh, of the United Arab Emirates, and that's a relatively new country. And, and for those of you who don't know where that is, just think of uh, just east of Saudi Arabia. There's the Persian Gulf, or as they call it, the Arabian Gulf. They don't want to say Persian over there. And just north is Iran. Um, so around that whole, and then Oman and Yemen. So that whole area has seven emirates, like you think 50 states of the United States. Abu Dhabi comprises about 70% of the pop of the land mass. So years ago, in the 1950s, the Sheikh Zayed, his father was like the ruler of the desert. And um, Zayed learned how he went about his father and he taught people how to be really good hunters and good gatherers and good uh, community and collaborators to really make um, a society work. So if you think of just about pitching tents in, in the sand in the desert, that's what they did. Now, Zayed was the fortunate one to struck uh he, to have struck in gold not gold <laughs> uh should i say oil which was amenable to gold and he vowed of the twenty thousand people in abu dhabi to make everybody wealthy and rich so and and what was very fascinating is the whole landscape of abu dhabi is based off the new york city borough model so you think of like Brooklyn and the Bronx and Harlem and Manhattan and Staten Island and you name it. They actually made those sections in Abu Dhabi where the islands are based off that. So in short, all these people got this sudden wealth, but he had this vision and, and everything has a meaning out there for him, like the colors of the flag. And I can't remember all the details, but like one of them stands for love. One of them is for unity. And the word Etihad means unity. And you'll see like Etihad Arena where I spoke at, Etihad Towers, um, Etihad Airlines I flew on. They really are about, are about unity, but they're also about acceptance of others. Um, and for those of you who don't know, the faith out there is Islamic faith. So 70% are Muslim. But next to mosques, we see a Catholic church. We see a born-again Christian 
church. So they're very accepting of others, although they take pride in what they do and who they are. So so anyway, the first president, he ended up empowering so many people. He ended up contacting and learned a lot from like American businessmen and European venture capitalists. And they started erecting all these beautiful state-of-the-art buildings and in a short amount of time became the Middle East wealthiest country. His son became president and then he recently passed away. And then the brother uh, right now, Mohammed bin Zayed, is president. And they all share the same vision. It, it is, you know, within the family, you can call it, I guess, a, a monarch, but it's like a benevolent monarch. And I and I witnessed that love and felt safe and secure and um, really, really impressed that culture. So that's what I would say um, is a profound experience of enlightenment. So let me ask you a follow-up question on that. How This is a huge arena that you spoke in. Yes. Okay, so where... Did the other speakers come from? Like what other countries and where did all the participants come from? So the other speakers, we had probably, I would say about 15 of the 60, you know, give or take a few more, were from the United States and a number of them from the UK, some from France, some from Germany, Lebanon, and other countries around in the Middle East. So there was a number of speakers from different backgrounds. Like I was one of the, I think I might've been the only practicing teacher there. So I came with a unique perspective of teens and tweens and their development. Uh, so I spoke on a discussion panel along with a few other individuals on the topic of how to handle bullying. And I come from the classroom perspective. Somebody else was a lawyer who specialized in cyberbullying. Uh, somebody else worked with younger children and early uh, childhood development. So that's the beauty of this conference. And when we spoke at the Etihad, like if you're a parent there, you just have an array of a menu to choose from. And that's what they did. They they chose, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go here. And you can, you can see the numbers populating. And and I was like, wow, this is really awesome. And the interaction was fantastic. Um, so it wasn't hard to convince these people that family and uh, school and upbringing of your children is of the utmost priority. And then everything else follows, academics and all that, once the social emotional piece and the connection takes place. It was just awesome. And, and, and the audience members were from mainly um, the Middle East. Okay. Was there something super surprising to you? Because I know just from what you shared just now, you've educated me on geography, history. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm surprised to learn some of that. And um, I will say right now, I was not the best geography student. Like I went basic areas that I was interested in and then did what I needed to do to pass, right? But what, like when you learned that, or found that out was just uplifting to you or amazing to you, if there was anything in particular? Oh, there certainly was. There were so many moments, but uh, one moment that comes in mind is we were very honored and blessed, the speakers, um, to be invited to have dinner with the royal family, members of the royal family. And I was blown away by the kindness, the generosity, um, just the real gentle manner of them, because I learned a lot just by uh, showing up there. They had um, they had the males. They said, gentlemen, off the bus first. And we went in one area, females over there. So it was almost like, ooh, he got a little a feel of the segregation. But it was in a respectful manner. Um, and it was, and, and and when we went in there, we saw praying take place because they pray, you know, in their faith five times a day. And 
Then we went in, they had a huge spread out. So just imagine like a, a big room with sofas along the perimeter. And they said, have a seat. Here we go. And there's all this food. So then when they arrive in the room um, after one at a time, everybody gets up, shakes hands. Okay. Mal salama means peace be with you. Uh, so just the kindness to them was 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 amazing and, and just the warmth. But also within a few hours, you know, that's how long I was there. I was making friends with them. And I realized that, yes, there's differences among all of us. And sometimes they look on the surface when there's cultural differences even more. But when you spend enough time with anybody, we all root in some universal truths that we're all alike and we all have the same needs and desires. Uh, so we were having a joking conversation when it looked to be a little bit serious. We're at the table, everybody's eating and 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 kind of quiet. And then all of a sudden they turn over and they said, uh, uh, Hi, how you doing? How you like the meal? You know, they say, and then I said, oh, it's great. They said, oh, great. And then I started a conversation. And I think I'm trying to be smart by talking some Arabic to them. So I go, yeah, uh, so like, hello, how are you? Nice to meet you. And so their reaction goes, oh, Mr. Marhaba, <laughs> Mr. Hello. And he says, is, and he goes, that all you know? Is that all you know? I go, no, no, ma'asalama, tuspi ala haire, means uh, good evening, um, and also, you know, have a good night. And they said, oh, Mr. Marhaba or Mr. Ma'asalama, Mr. Hello or Mr. Goodbye. So already we're kind of breaking the ice. I was like, oh, they're picking on me. <laughs> but it was really warm and sweet. Um, so I just want to say for anybody out there who, you know, hasn't traveled much, I would say certainly get out there and travel and and know that people are people. And if you hear stereotypes about going to certain areas, um, then do your research and, and really understand their culture and where they're coming from. Because in my opinion, most people are good. And uh, everybody wants what's best, you know, for, for them and their culture and used to. But if you show that respect, they'll show that respect back to you and also accept you. So, Doug, if we weren't talking about Abu Dhabi, we could be talking about anywhere in the world right now. I mean, you think about it. Today is voting day in the U.S., right? We could be talking about you don't know what that place is like until you do some research and see what it's like to live in that part of the country or listen to, you know, I mean, it's like that whole acceptance. Um, and you were not taking yourself so serious that you got your feelings hurt when they were kind of teasing you, Mr. Hello, Mr. Goodbye. <laughs> not at all. And, you know, they were actually, it's funny, when I said where I was from, um, they they have a very good perception of the United States, but they're also forgiving. So they say, I know you have some political, you know, you know, issues that go on and there's still some division. And they say, you're a very big country. So if you have one thing, like in our country, we can, everything comes through us and, and the leadership here. And we always have the best intent. And they know that we've always followed the philosophy of the Sheikh Zayed. And so they're in an, a stage, a young stage, an in infancy, and I really hope for their sake, it always stays benevolent, you know, because you always get concerned when there's only like one leader and, and one thing, you always hope it's the best. And right now it is for them. So uh, for them, they said, oh, there's just so many different people. And so they are making some justifications, or should I say excuses for some of the issues that we have. So that just even shows to their acceptance and non-judgment how they are towards us. And well, empathy. That's a better way of saying it. Yep. And I can say, Doug, I can say um, in my own travels around the world, you know, I was in China and Israel, Palestine, Germany. Um, I find to be the same place, the same thing. People are people. They need they need uh, community, unity, love, hope. 
Um, and so it's just it's so inspiring to hear you talk through this story, Doug. So what would you, I know this is so much to say, but do you, would there be a fine point that you could bring back from all of that experience? How would you encapsulate this into a, into a few words? So I would say that if you're the best version of yourself in everything that you do, you can never go wrong. Uh, and, and, and not to just never, not to take things personally, really just be open for suggestions, be open for feedback from others and be open for growth. And that's what they are. They're really idea generators. They're creative designers. They're always looking just to keep, as you said, Ken, I'm going to quote you here, move the needle on the narrative. Um, they're always looking to do that. They're not looking to be, um, you know, there's no filibustering going on. They're just make a decision, go, make a decision, go. And it may not be number one, the best decision in, in some people's eyes, or it may um, be like, oh, there's a delay in this and that. They'll come back to it, they'll own it, and then they'll move forward. Um, and, and that's what I really love. And I think if all human beings did that and didn't take things personally on anything and just accepted and heard opinions and, and, and took that as growth mindset, you can't go wrong. Outstanding. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. That's really is, you know, so, so as a fellow filmmaker, Doug, as you are, yes. um, you must've been seeing this through the eyes of the filmmaker as well. I am sure. Oh, I absolutely was. And I actually alluded to the fact I said, wow, if I ever have some time, the opportunity, and I, I asked around, I asked them, have they ever done a movie on the Sheikh Zayed? And they said, there's a couple documentaries done, but no actor has ever portrayed his life. And I said, he is a hero to me. So he's my new hero. So that'd be somebody I'd be interested in investigating one day to do something with. No doubt. No doubt. Well, I look forward to all your video and photos that you, I'm sure you've taken on this trip. I know you, you were doing a little bit on the social media channels. Is that right? You're letting people know where you were and what's going on? Yes. Yes. And um, the conference that actually I spoke at parenthood, they were doing a lot as well. So it was parenthoodUC.com, and uh, yeah, and myself on the social channels, the speakers were just unbelievable. And I got so much video footage. I mean, I could probably last a year just showing clips of everybody, but uh, it, it was awesome. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, so speaking of that, too, with filmmaking and, and storytelling, um, I'm seeing Butterfield is doing really well. Now, last time you were here, it was just kind of going in the process. And I had the pleasure and joy of being on set with you and consulting, producing and doing some behind the scenes for you. But um, oh, my goodness, I am so thrilled. It is more than I could have ever imagined. Like I we submitted, as you know, to so many film festivals thinking, you know, something ever stuck on my first debut film. It would be amazing. Um, so we got our first thing from the Los Angeles International Film Festival. It said, congratulations, you're a semifinalist. I was like, whoa. And uh, just to see kind of like, you know, you made it in something. And then over time, you know, of course, you're going to get a bunch of no's, 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 no's. But I started to see, <clears throat> excuse me that uh, I reached a, like a finalist here. I was like, oh, wow. We're... And then you start in your head thinking, maybe you might you know, get an award of recognition for what you're doing. And then all of a sudden, um, we won the uh, best shorts competition. And this has been around for over a decade. This is out of La Jolla, California. We couldn't believe that. Um, and at the same token, one of our actors, as you know, um, Christopher Holmes, he won the best supporting actor. So we were so super excited about that. And then... Uh, and we were talking about like, wow, is this really, is this real? Is this possible? And then shortly after, just exponentially, Delta International Film Festival out of India awarded us Best Short Film. Um, Indie Fest awarded us Best Short Film. And then we had Indie X recently. Um, and that's out of California. So we started really, um, you know, getting some notoriety out there. 
And then recently, just actually just yesterday, I got an email from Climax Film Critics, and they're out of Spain. And they said, we have some exciting news for you, but I don't want to tell you what it is, but just stay tuned because we're going to announce. I said, oh, my goodness. So it, I'm just so happy. Of course, I'm personally happy because this is stuff I always loved and it's kind of a debut and I would love to keep doing it. And it also kind of helps build that credibility and that platform for future projects, as you know. Um, but it's just it's so nice to see that the words getting out there about such a message that's close to my heart and close to our heart. And that's really the message that we're never alone. And that's what that story is about. You know, a middle school child who loses his father, um, ends up being outcast and feeling alone. And then he meets a series of people along the way. He encounters that show him his existence, show him his worth. And then it gets into the depth of spirit guides, which most kids are like, it sounds like ghosts and voodoo. But they realize that they're always with us. And that's what in our film, you know, as you know, we talked about the fox and the butterfly. So I just could not be thrilled and honored more um, for all of this. Okay, now I'm going to back us up just a minute because we all three know what you're talking about, but I realized, and when Ken, you put out the name Butterfield, just give us a synopsis. I mean, you kind of talked about it, but what was the genesis of creating it, Doug? Mm -hmm. Like what spurred you on to create it? And what do you hope viewers obviously it's getting awards and acclaim but what do you hope the young viewer takes out of it that's great yes so the genesis of it is because i am a teacher and we about right before covid we got all this brand new renovation to our school and we got a brand new auditorium now we have a nice theater program we have an art program we have music program and I said, one thing we don't have, nor does our high school, is a film program. So I said, I love that stuff. So I proposed that to our principal, proposed it to the superintendent. It got approved. And I end up submitting for a couple of grants and thankfully received some money to do a couple of things. One was to get all the state-of-the-art equipment to be able to actually produce a student film. The second thing was that I would actually attend a one-week-long um, hands-on intensive program at New York Film Academy. Well, that didn't happen because that was supposed to happen in May of 2020, and that ended up being thwarted. Um, and as a result, something even better happened. And I received a one-year intensive program on everything from you know development of an idea conception through all the production phases at New York University Tisch School of the Arts. I couldn't be any more appreciative for those people. I mean, I got to speak with professors personally, uh, did the online program, great hands-on intensive work, projects I did. So I learned the whole kit and caboodle, and, and that's something that I wanted to learn personally because I, I love that stuff that I can also pass on to the future film club students, and then it can be a student-directed. So I had to do it as a project, but then I said, I want this to be the showcase for the kids to see what is possible. And also for us to look at, because it's my first film, some areas that I could have done better on, always continuous improvement. And as a result of that, then I, I was forced to get together, you know, a cast and, and crew and all that. So my cousin, Chris Valentino, who has been doing this for his career, and I remember when I was in, in high school and, and he graduated college, and I was inspired watching his student film. And I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was Brooklyn Lobster. Maybe Ken, you know better than I do. Or is he? I may have worked on that with him. Yeah. You might have. Yeah. 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 And it was great. I was like, my jaw was dropped. Like I'm just sitting there like a like a kid in a candy shop. And uh, I said, I want to do that, you know, one day. And he was a big inspiration. So I talked to Chris about some ideas helping. And that's when Chris 
put me in contact with Ken and said, Oh, I got a great guy. You're going to love. And, uh, you know, and, and he'll work with you. He'll mentor you. And I said, Oh, this is fantastic. And Ken has done nothing but that times a million. Um, and so we put Ken on the, uh, the, the crew and he was the consulting producer. You were also the creative designer for all the behind the scenes, um, getting everybody together and got some amazing footage, um, which we actually have on YouTube for everybody to see, by the way. So that was the whole genesis. That was the whole gist of it. And it turned away. It's not a student film. Um, it involves students, but it also involves other people too from the community. So, um, and it, and, but the message is mainly driven for um, a younger crowd. But if you think about it, we're all children. We all have inner children. So it's really for anybody and everybody. And the message is that once again, no matter what you go through, um, in terms of trauma or tragedy. I mean, life's full of ups and downs. You're not going to be at the down forever. Um, it's going to bounce back up. But you have people that are here in the physical realm and you have people in the non-physical realm, right? And it could be through spirit guides of animals that are trying to communicate. I've had so much of that throughout my life. I had a whole you know, den back there of foxes and they were there forever throughout the whole Butterfield. They're not there anymore but they were there when I needed them. Um, and so that's the whole message that you're never alone. You always have some, someone or something to guide you. So, so as a teacher now, and as a filmmaker, um, the, the film is a platform, right? For your voice, for a voice. So you're connecting those two dots and you're, you're training up the next gen of filmmakers, budding filmmakers, your students that you have. Um, so wrapping that all together, um, how do you want to use that platform for the future um, as a voice, as a place to talk from. Yeah, I would ideally like to change genres. Um, and personally, for my interest in my growth and also so students can see a variety of things. So this past one was a short film, a drama. Um, I would like to possibly, and I'm gonna leave it up to the kids. I'll have like a list of things. Do you wanna do a comedy? Do you wanna do a thriller? Do you wanna do a science fiction? Would you like to do a documentary? So I would like them and then to research a little bit about, you know, the, the slight nuances of how they're all done. Now, you know, I've written a number of scripts. I've written a number of screenplays. I've written a, a pilot um, for a sitcom. So I have a, a good diversity of knowledge and how to do those things. Uh, but I want this to mainly be student driven where anybody and everybody is welcome. And really the platform that I like is that it's a platform of, of really no platform, meaning it doesn't include just one group of kids. Like say if it's a musical, it's usually kids who like to sing and like to dance, um, like to act. This will be anybody who likes to, you could be in front of the camera, behind the camera, you can manage people. Um, you can do something in solitary for a while. You can do collaboration, small group, big group. So I want this to be sort of a group that unity encompasses everybody. Um, it doesn't have to be um, like a full year round because we can pull in actors when it's time for production. We can pull in editing when it's time later. And that was the principal's concern a little bit. He says, he goes, I'm concerned this could become a, a widely uh, popular club that it's going to now, they're going to have to make a choice between musical and your club and, you know, and all that. And I said, no, we'll, we'll work it out. So that's where the platform I'm looking to go. So interesting that that would be a concern, right? Yeah, right. There would be something so engaging and consuming that kids would all want in. I'm thinking, isn't that what we want when we're teaching? Exactly. And you know, and our community actually has so many opportunities. And you hear it on the announcements all the time. You hear, 
all right, on Monday, we're going to have uh, art club and we're going to have kids in the kitchen, uh, kids in the kitchen club cooking. And then Tuesday, we're going to have this. And there's like a list of literally some days, like about 10 to 12 clubs. So I'm going to have to find my spot. Um, and I wanted to wait till I came back from my trip and got a lot of things done to start it. But pretty soon, it might be even after the new year, once we get through the holidays, then we're going to do something and we're going to start slow with it. The one idea that um, in collaboration with, I'm actually a member of the SCL committee, the Social Emotional Learning Committee, and I'm doing internship, you know, for my educational leadership administration degree. And one of the things as an intern is I, I have to have some projects that are, you know, um, a district-wide project, a school-based project, a department-based project. So one of the things in the schools as our goal is we have what they call ROAR goals. And ROAR goals are really just living through the pillars of uh, responsibility, integrity, and respect. And the principal pulled me aside. He said, you know, would you be interested this year starting off your film club with the students to maybe do some short videos on demonstrating in a real fun, creative way what it means to demonstrate ROAR? And I said, how awesome is that? So I think that's the direction we're going to go. We're going to ease into it. We're going to do some short videos, and then we'll be able to encapsulate those in sort of vignettes in a, in a fun way. So then future students down the line could see the expectation in a fun, creative way versus a preachy, top-down, directed uh, approach, more student-driven, which kids like to hear. Oh, and wonderful idea. Love that. So, you know, the other thing about, of course, being a, a storyteller is you could use that as a voice to promote the other things happening at the school, that art club that drama club, you could do little bits and promos for them. I mean, this whole thing, yeah. there's a lot to do with this. You're exactly right. Um, actually, our music composition uh, teacher we were talking about, they could be the ones who do the composing and the score. Oh, yeah, yeah, get everyone involved. Oh my goodness, you have the art group to make sets, you have the music to do scores. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you you, you got to come on to Connecticut. We got to get you here to be oh, part of it. Oh, I would love to. I'd be up there and, and help in, in the snapshot. Well, I will say, Ken, I want to thank you, too, for offering, you know, through through video, because I know you're a busy guy to, to help. So Ken's going to be, you know, be like a sort of a, one of the consulting um, coaches or facilitators for this club um, when he can. And I just want to say thank you so much, Ken, for that. It's a joy. It's a complete joy. You know, Ken, this is a, an example of how you show up because, Doug, and I'm sure you've had this experience with Ken, that's how Ken shows up right? Oh. Always from his heart, how he connects with people. And I joke that he can see a story in the most mundane things. <laughs> it's like, that's a story. Oh, yeah, here's how it could be a story. So but can you always have this giving heart? And I just am so glad I'm glad that you connected us. And it's so fun to listen to what you're doing through your own evolution and bringing that to the school and the kids and ultimately your community, Doug. Oh, thank you. And I want I have to pivot. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, just one thing in regards to Ken, um, literally he showed up on set um, and we had a couple conversations, you know, he flew all the way from where he was in Washington, all the way to Connecticut to be on set. He spent the entire day with us in the sweltering heat. It was like in the mid nineties and humid. Um, and we shot as long as we could. And he was there right by my side. He was there um, helping others in doing anything and everything. And I mean anything and everything. There, sometimes there was, there was trash that needed to be picked up. He, he wouldn't blink an eye. He'd pick it up, go. And move a prop, go. Uh, point, okay, lighting over here. Um, you know, sound over there. And, and then he'd be by my side. So talk about, you know, a gift to the world. I just want to say that. Uh, that's who you are, Ken Faye. So we just had a little uh, 
love fest on Ken because I think that's I how to. you just need to be recognized, Ken, because that's one of the things that we appreciate about how you show up. And it's consistent. Hundred percent. What I was going to pivot to briefly, Doug, is you know now you have another project you're doing. You're going to do your first picture book ever, right? Yes. You just okay. gave me chills. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm excited because the last time we talked, afterwards we went and you introduced me to your daughter and showed me around with your camera and stuff. So. Tell us about the picture book, and I'm curious why you focused on the Brave Science Girl. So talk to us about the story. Okay, this is this is interesting because a lot of emotions are coming up in me, and uh, they're all amazing. Uh, so first off, I got to say, um, as an author, um, I've been a nonfiction author since I've, you know, gotten into writing. And to break into children's picture books is very challenging. It's it's a saturated market. It's I've written a number of stories, and I've always just wanted to have a, a children's picture book because I always love children. But when I had my own child, uh, my daughter Summer, I said one of my goals is to get a picture book out there that's published. And by the time she's of an age where I can go to her school and read to her and her classmates, and she could just have something of an empowering status. So um, I went through, I wrote a bunch of stories and I heard people say, oh, it's a cute rhyming scheme. Some people loved it, nice story, but we're gonna have to pass. And other people said, well, rhyming doesn't sell. And I always wanted to stay true to who I was. I was always, I, I always listened to feedback always, but I have to stay in my heart and say, I am really a poet when it comes to writing. And I, and I really, cause I tried the, the, uh, the narrative piece, if you will. I tried the prose. Didn't quite work for me. Didn't feel it as much. And uh, so the Seuss was always coming out in me. And when I was uh, attending and I was actually part of the SCBWI, which is the Society for Children's uh, Book Writers and Illustrators. And I attended a number of conferences to get to know people and to also get to pitch my work. And I started to, um, you know, see how other people are doing stories and, and, and what's selling and what's not. Well, there was one agent who reached back out to me and said, you know, I really like your story and I really like your messages. They're, they're powerful and inspiring, but they're not going to sell. Did you say you're a science teacher? And I said, yes. They said, well, why don't you write some kind of story about STEM based, you know, science, technology, engineering and math, or should I say STEAM? I don't want to forget the art people. <laughs> and I said, absolutely. Uh, and they said, yeah. And the thing that's really on the, the crux right now is girl empowerment. Why don't you write a story about that? And I said, oh, great idea. So immediately after the um, conference, I went down, typed up the story within like a couple hours. Then I went back and edited it over the series of like a week or two, fine-tuned it. And then I put it back out there. I got some very positive feedback from a number of agents, um, but didn't hear anything back for a while. And the reason being is because good old COVID struck. And I said, oh boy. <laughs> and I said, I, and I said, I figured and a lot of things kind of shut down. But there was one person who was an agent, was a publisher, who reached out to me and said they were very interested. And we we went through the process even in early COVID, because there's still a number of staff members that were meeting and they said they still wanted to publish some projects. Well, we got to the point and then they said we have to put a halt on things because then things really got, you know, bad. I waited, waited, away. I figured, oh, you know, I guess it's just not meant to be right now. And I'm telling you, probably a good 10 years of writing different things and hearing no's. Um, and then finally, 
I uh, I heard back and he said, he goes, well, I'll be in contact. I heard back from him on a phone call while I was teaching students. And this is, this is completely the truth. I was doing a lesson with them on the carbon cycle. And I said, your project is going to be to create a children's picture book with at least one character and show their journey, uh, show some conflict, show them where they go setting place to place. I kid you not. I get a phone call that gets streamed in. The secretary goes, um, there's a person on the line. Um, his name's Rick Reinhardt, and he's from um, Globe Pequot Publishing. And, and can I send him through? And I said, and I'm looking at the kids. And the kids go, who is that, Mr. Haddad? And it's all quiet. I said, put him through. <laughs> I said, keep working. So they're all listening. You know, they're, they're, their eyes are up. They're like, what's Mr. Haddad doing? And so he says, he goes, hi, I just want to let you know, um, we just went through, went through this and that a lot, and we'd like to offer you a book deal. And I'm ready to like scream, oh my goodness, you know? And uh, the kids are like, Mr. Head, what's going on? I'm like, Shh, I'll tell you after. So then um, I said, I'm actually teaching right now. I go, could uh, could I call you back later? And uh, I said, I'm so super happy and honored. And he goes, oh, absolutely. So I hang up the phone and I tell the kids, I go, oh, we might have a little surprise coming up. We're uh, I'm not going to say anything too much quite yet, but the children's books you're making, who knows? You might see uh, Mr. Haddad uh, have one soon. And they're like, oh, is that why you're having us do this? You're trying to steal all of our ideas. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. <laughs> so they're they're funny, but but that but that was a big inspiration, and I can't believe it because my daughter's three, a little over three and a half, and she'll be four years old. She'll be going to preschool next year, and the book will be out in August of 2023. She'll be stepping foot in the school in August of 2023, and so for a good four years, because it's in that four to eight year range, I'll be able to really. Um, you know, get her involved, I thought, creatively in things because she is a huge inspiration, my daughter, for so much, but she loves science. I mean, I've taken little video clips of her doing science experiments. So I'm dedicating the book to her, Summer Dior, the brave science girl. So that's kind of where I'm going. And 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 I'm just thinking like, wow, I want to make this, you know, the start slow with this first uh, one right here. It's actually uh, called the Toad Cave, uh, but I want to give you guys a chance to to talk, but I'm super excited about it. It's so fun to watch people be excited about things. And what I'm, as you're talking, I'm thinking, are you sure the foxes and the butterflies weren't back? I mean, that talk about divine timing. I think they were, you know, because they were, they were here and there. And what I will tell you, what's very interesting is behind my house, there's, there's a big chunk of land and the people that are behind there so if you can imagine like all right so if we go back so my house is here but there's all this land back here but the people that are over here um they own it well suddenly while all this is kind of going on and the foxes are back there all of a sudden this the gentleman who lives in the house with his mom is getting married and his mom's going to go to an assisted living facility they're going to sell the place so they offered me to buy the land and I said, yeah. So I, I, I negotiated with them and, you know, we came to a fair price and about two weeks ago before I went on the trip, I just purchased all that land that's back there. And then the foxes are back there and the butterflies. So I believe exactly, Sarah, what you're saying uh, that uh, there's so much divine interconnection. And if you just keep yourself open and dare say vulnerable to these experiences, that's where the magic lies. And that's where it's always lied for me. So. So, Ken, I'm going to toss this over to you as we start to bring this to a close. And I bet in your mind, you've got a lot going on. So, Ken Fay. Well, Doug, obviously, congratulations on that on that bit of land there. I know that's going to be a sanctuary for a lot of great things. Yeah. Um, and 
uh, you know, th these moments, uh, you guys are giving me compliments about me, but honestly, it's, it's, it's all of you. It's you too. Um, it's the open heart uh, to the world. And Doug, that's what you're saying is you, you're open to the world. You'd be a little bit vulnerable to the world. Um, yeah, you get hurt. Yeah, you get hurt. But talk about no labels, no limits. Um, <laughs> if you can just open that heart to the world and, and not be held back by that barrier, what if, what someone thinks, or how's it going to be perceived, right? I mean, you go back to your story about where you just came from, the whole idea that we are all share that human experience. So I just say kudos to that. And let's all move forward with that. Absolutely. Well said, Ken. And, and Sarah, that's what I'd actually like to say at the end. What Ken said is a great way of encapsulating everything that I feel as well. Said in true storyteller form. All right, Doug, before I let you go, you have offered our listeners a free gift. Do you recall what you offered? <laughs> Well, on my website, I have, yes, actually, um, I have a um, whole lot of living guide that I put together. It's, I'm really proud of this too, because it's a wealth of information that can help families, what I call live uh, the super health lifestyle. And in addition to all I've done, I actually started off in the health and fitness realm because my background is in science and I end up getting like certifications, NASM certified, be a performance enhancement specialist and all that good stuff. So I really, you know, value exercising well, eating well, sleeping well, and thinking well, and then ultimately you'll feel well. So that's what my guide's all about. And that's on my website, uh, douglashadad.com. And then I also have on the website, um, a couple of programs that I recently um, put together. One of them is raising a 6S child. And that's actually what I talked about over in the Middle East. Um, and this, it's kind of a plan words to be uh, successful you need to be full of success. And that's really about a child being self-confident, self-disciplined, self-motivated, self-regulated, self-reliant, and smart. So I have a six-track audio course with a PDF of quick tips in there. And then I also have for yourself, I have a 30 Days to Finding You, a 10-step personal happiness formula, because I believe if you don't heal yourself first, it's it's a little bit more challenging to heal others. And others are really children to, to benefit the world. So that's what I have to offer at this time, in addition to the books that we talked about. In addition to your teaching and leading and coaching and all of that, Doug, come on, show <laughs> up a little bit more. <laughs> no, those are very generous gifts. And I don't know that I knew that you started up in the, um, the health and like the training and all that piece too. A whole other aspect for a whole other conversation. That's right. All right. So with that, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners, Doug, thanks for coming back for an encore with us. Ken, thanks for co-hosting because it's always fun to saddle up and go down the road alongside you. It's a joy. It's a joy. And Doug, I'll see you on the next movie set. Absolutely. We'll see you there. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.